Lovewell Creative, in partnership with Crosswalk Church, presents the Sacred Echo Podcast. In this podcast, we'll hear from the teaching team from Crosswalk Church about the upcoming sermon series, sermons, how they process, about faith, life, love, and friendship as well. For more information on Crosswalk Church, go to www.crosswalkvillage.com. Welcome in, everybody. This is Pastor Tim Gillespie with Pastor Patty McCoy and Pasty, Pastor, Pasty, Pastor David Ferguson. Boy, I just fell apart right there. Um, which is what, interestingly, I was on a podcast last night where the engineer was like, hey, if you make a mistake, just say it, tell me, and then just start again, and I'll edit it out. Um, we don't have that situation we're here. Not quite gonna, there yet. We're going to leave all the mess ups. They're just staying in. Anyway, how are you guys the, doing today? I think the young people call that uh, authenticity. That's what it is. That's what we're mm-hmm. leaning towards on this pod- podcast. A, there's a, Not professionalism. No, a fine line between authenticity and train wreck, right? <laughs> right. We've And we've gotten there. We've gotten there quite quickly today. I'm very excited about that. Um, Patty, what's, what's happening up in Portland? How are you guys doing up there? Uh, we're doing good. Uh, it's, you know, our... Um, I, I mean, you know, on the on the metrics that you you pay attention to uh, is uh, part of those is just kind of you know where your numbers are and where people are at, and we've had some right. we've had some creeping up, and we've had some excitement uh, for people that are, um, I, I mean, people coming back still. Uh, I'm sure we all have that people coming back to church for the first time since the pandemic hit, um, which is crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, but, but coming back and getting excited and, and some other folks there doing that. And then on the, on the personal side of it, my kids come home this week. I'm sure your kids uh, are on their way. Um, uh, my or, son leaves tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. That so leaves. always look forward to getting the kiddos home for the holiday. Um, even though they have much stress to do before they actually get to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, all my kids are adults and are all coming in starting this coming weekend. So they'll be here in Tennessee from the 17th, 16th. Some of them get in through the the 24th. And so that's kind of a weird dynamic. They're get they're leaving the 24th. So it's going to hit actual Christmas and it's going to be, I don't know, Christmas morning, Christmas Eve. I, probably we're sleeping in. I don't know. We'll have people we're doing some stuff with, but it's going to be kind of recuperate the house from having been, uh, you know, six, seven of us here. Wow. That'll be fun. I've got, um, I've got a new, well, he, a son-in-law to be who's moving down. Mm. Um, so that's, that's a, that's a new dynamic that we'll we'll have this, have this Christmas, uh, that we're super excited about. So you're, uh, you're just a few months away from that being official. Uh, yes, we're 12 weeks away now, I think. 12 weeks. Nice. I, I remember yeah. it well because they're getting married on, on St. Patty's Day. Really? Are they? <laughs> yeah, they are. I, I, <laughs> Hannah posted it and I was so excited. I texted her. I said, well done. Now that just there means you go. I'm going to have to hear from you every, every time I see you in a well, skirt. So I will be I was reminded say, that, that it's my daughter's anniversary. <laughs> yeah. That just means that if, if I can make it down, which I am desperately trying to do because of the kilt and being in the same room as you, uh, <laughs> with the kilt on, I, I'm, I'm hoping I can make that work. Oh, I'm so excited. Spectacular. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I want to be there I, for Hannah. 
I mean, I, I really want to be there for joy Hannah. in your kilt than you do. I uh, apparently. <laughs> hey, we're gonna you know before you know it, we're gonna have branded crosswalk kilts at Portland. So yeah. wow, I was say, that you, that you wear only you. I, it will be no one else. Be only, yeah, it'll be only me. But that's fine. So, uh, uh, incidentally, Ferguson is a good old Scottish name. Um, and my brother will show up to, I don't know, they have some in Florida, apparently some Scottish festivals or something like this where they do Scot- Scotland games. And and he'll show up in a Ferguson uh, kilt um, for good that. I have never worn one. I'm not saying I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I haven't. And uh, so... Yeah. Well, they they are expensive. Uh, and I that's something people don't realize is that a, a full-fledged yeah. formal kilt is is literally like $700. So, uh yeah, it's not it's not cheap. I would like to apologize to the listening audience that we have gone on, <laughs> on a kilt trip is what I'm going to call it. A kilt trip. Uh, there you go. But, but I just want to be clear, Gillespie was actually McGillespie. Um and it was oh. changed, so I'm Scotch. I, that's Scotch Irish, actually. And so, so you're the um, bridge between so, the Scots and the Irish. Yeah. Well done, sir. Right. And I could wear a kilt if I wanted to. I choose not to. You know why? Because no one wants to see it. And I, I was going to say bony right legs. Now. Is that I'm a just thing? No, I've got really nice legs, actually. Um, there's just nothing that anyone needs to see. Um, <laughs> everyone can we move says on? it, Tim. Can we move on? Can we move on from this? This is not what anyone wants to hear or talk about. We have literally been talking about this for four and a half minutes. I welcomed everybody and we started talking about kilts. And that leads us back to Jesus. How so is my question. Oh, no. Jesus didn't didn't wear pants. That's right, Tim. I'm just saying. He didn't wear a kilt. I'm just saying. It's not a kilt from what I understand. Um. I feel like we should start again. Hey, everybody, welcome in. This is uh, Tim Gillespie. We're here at the Sacred Echo Podcast with David Ferguson and some other dude that won't stop talking about what he's wearing, pretty much, <laughs> is what we're doing. Anyway, we're actually going to talk about, we're going to talk about this series that we're in. It's called Adventure. Patty, you um, you kind of incepted it and put it together. I've been doing the series guide, which people have really been appreciating, and I've been taking a lot of credit for Um Said, oh, you like that writing? That was me. I know it says Patty, but you know we had to fix a lot of what he changed. Um, it all, I will it say this: and the crosswalk writing team, and the crosswalk writing team. Yep. Which some yep. days that's true, and other days it's we, we're <laughs> just giving Patty. thumbs up through the whole time. Um, yep. I will say this, Patty. To your credit, um, I don't know if you work with Grammarly. I use Grammarly for everything, and um, it most of the suggestions it gave. Um, we're really like I didn't I didn't choose them once I <laughs> saw your transcript because you had done such a good job, oh. and then um, then other things I did change and just went to Chat GPT and had it sorted out because it was yeah. just better than what you had put together. Uh, no, no I'm just I, kidding. I, that's not true I, at all. Yeah, I will tell you uh, the way we do things here at Crosswalk, where you you write it and then you read it for the audio blog. Man, yep. that you catch stuff, and and I really should do that first before I send it, you know, to you so I can fix all those things. Cause when you read it out loud, it's a, it's, Oh, you just catch stuff that you didn't catch before. Right. I actually think that, um, I actually think that that reading, like the reading for me is better because sometimes I'll just yeah. add stuff. Cause I'm like, yeah. Oh, I didn't like the way I wrote that. So I'll add stuff, yeah. make it interesting. So if you haven't been listening to the audio podcast, I highly suggest that you go back and you do that. Um, because it's, it's a lot of fun. 
It's good stuff. If I'm honest, I distrust my writing. And so I always read it out loud. Or one of my favorite things is to have somebody who's never read it read it out loud back to me. And I can tell I inflect a lot or there are moments in, that I'm hearing in my head. And I can read it and put them in there, right? But uh, so I like listening to somebody else read it. And if my wife, poor, poor woman, she's, uh, <laughs> she's tasked with that a good deal. Yeah. Have you guys listened to, uh, to Pastor John's Abide podcast yet? I'm still catching up to it. Yeah. So he did it, you know, he did a test week before Thanksgiving. He's doing one more test week before Christmas. And um, you've got to listen to it, especially the first few days, because he was getting his cadence. He was figuring it out. By the way, it is engineered impeccably. It sounds so much better than this because he's an audio guy and he's a guitar <laughs> tone guy. and He's got a whole recording studio at his house. So like he delivers it to me and and it sounds beautiful. The music's great. And then he goes, welcome. <laughs> to the abide podcast and it's really slow because it's really like introspective right and meditative yeah, yeah. and uh but it took him a little while to get the cadence for the first few um first few days he got it got yeah. better and better and it's going to be great and it by the way everyone it launches on its own podcast at the beginning of the year it's already up on apple um apple or spotify wherever you wherever you want to find it you can always go to our website and find it there too on the discipleship page but um but at first, he wasn't sure where to pause because he wanted to make it really introspective. So he would say, and today is Tuesday, and it's the day that we lean into the practice of silence. <laughs> Fully lean and I'm not, into the practice of silence. I'm not making fun of him, but um, a little bit. It was, But it's yeah. great. It really is good, and it's really going to be a great addendum to what we're doing because it's going along with the same topics, same same text that we're talking about, and, he, and it's going to be a really great companion piece. So again, awesome. we're going to do one more week kind of piloting it along with this podcast on this podcast. Nope, on the daily podcast, not on, the, on this one. And then, um, and then we will move on, and he will have his own starting at the beginning of the year. So nice. Um, good. Yeah, super, super exciting. So anyway, we are in this series called Adventure. Uh, week one, we talked about the risk of Bethlehem, and we've talked about that on this podcast. And so today we're going to kind of take on the risk of Rome, and I'd love to hear what you guys did. Um, as we're like, just to be honest and authentic, we're doing this one afterwards. Sometimes we do them before we preach the sermons. This time we're doing it after we preach the sermons. So um, I want to hear kind of the directions you guys took, and then I'll, I'll share a little bit as well. Either one of you, I'm not sure who I'm asking. Yeah, I, I started last week, so I feel like Dave has to jump in this week. Oh, man. Okay. Well, so um, if, if I am honest about it, I struggled in the preparation of, for this. If I'm honest about it, oh, yeah. soaked up the the um, the series guide stuff, and um, I had been into in the Bethlehem story the the Magi and 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 Herod and so on. So I spent a little time just, um, and I think that it probably tracked with part of what you guys did in terms of just looking at <clears throat> Augustus and um, or Octavian, and also then Herod. And some of the histories there. I am, I stumbled upon a um, uh, YouTube, which I just listened to as I was driving, of um, of sure. Herod the Great. Uh, yeah, 
uh, of Herod the Great that was about an hour and a half long, just at uh, you know an hour, like one and a half times speed. It was from a documentary. Um, you know, I wasn't looking at it, so I don't remember exactly who did the documentary, but it was all about stuff happening with Herod the Great. And it wasn't from a spiritual perspective at all. Um, there, of course, the 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 conversation around um, the the um, massacre of the innocents, you know, and whether that actually even happened or not. And there's an awful lot of discussion about that. But needless to say, it would have been very consistent with who Herod was by the end of his life, right? Right. <laughs> um, I found myself um, thinking through how Christmas becomes very much an issue of perspective. Um, mm-hmm. And this and talked about a little bit what what Christmas is to us, what it is to me, and some of the joy, some of the blessings, some of the awesomeness of it all. Told a story about a woman that uh, would cut my hair when I was at Andrews University in undergraduate school, walking in and being in that moment, a vulnerable moment of your head tipped back in the sink where it's pinned in that little kind of (laughs) like... Lily, you and she's washing my hair, and I don't know what I'm doing. So I just say, "Hey, how was Christmas for you?" And she says to me, "Terrible." And I'm um, mm-hmm. uh, kind of uh, that didn't go as the script was supposed to. So I just, well, really, why not? And she describes how her husband on Christmas Eve is stricken by a drunk driver and killed. Oh my gosh! And so for her, because Christmas Eve is the deal in the Ferguson household, and. But for her, forever now, Christmas is not what it is for me. And in fact, um, this issue of perspective, which I found the connection, you know, of um, the Roman, you know, being born into Roman occupation, from the Jews' perspective, that was the problem. But I began kind of playing in the teaching with this, but Jesus always comes into the midst of captivity, and there are always Romans, and you can get rid of the Romans, and there are still Romans, right? There's always this captivity, and Jesus says, mm-hmm. you know, the words of Isaiah, my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts, you know, it, it's, it's a different perspective. And so we played a little game, too, with some perspective pieces, you know, with pictures on the screen, what is this? And you can't tell what it is. Maybe that's, is that snow? Is that, what, is that a bug? What is that? No, turns out it's the, it's the top um, kind of sharpened portion of a pencil as you pull back. It's the same picture, but it's from different distances. And, you know, this idea that from God's perspective, he's able to see something that's different than what, what we can see. And that doesn't mean what we're seeing isn't true. It's just limited. And Christmas maybe is a perfect opportunity to point out that for one, it's this joy and glad tidings. For another, it's horrible. It's it's an expression of how I don't have what everybody has, and I'm alone, and or my husband was killed by a, a drunk driver, or... And in the midst of it all, Jesus comes, and his coming is to rescue us from this thing. If we think that the joy that we have in today's Christmas is all that there ever will be, that's too small also, right? So mm. we played a lot with this this issue of perspective that um, I found to be kind of interestingly introduced by, by the idea of Jesus being born into Roman captivity, 
but also being born into a body of believers that were so focused on Roman captivity that they couldn't see other forms of captivity they were living under. So that uh, one of the, one of the back and forth conversations that that we had, kind of rhetorically, was, you know, when whenever Jesus arrives, his enemies are both ticked off and afraid, and many of his people, whenever Jesus arrives, whenever his people are often disappointed that he isn't what they thought he should be. Fascinating. Because I did not go that direction at all. Good stuff. <laughs> I sensed it. <laughs> yeah, no, I went completely in a different direction. That's fascinating. So um, when I was talking, so I'm a, I'm a, a kind of a Roman history guy. I'm I'm a I'm a buff. Um, and in fact, growing up, I had a the comic books I read were not Marvel um, and that sort of thing. Although that's I think what Patty did um, for mm-hmm. his overwhelming love of marvel movies hands down that are almost as exhausting as his as his exhaustive knowledge of kilts um but but sorry um so i had these these european um comic books named asterix and obelix and they were about um a gaulish village that was um that was under Roman occupation and they traveled the world and they saw everyone. They met Julius Caesar. They actually went to, went to Israel at one point, Judea. Um, it's, it's a whole thing. And there's like 40 something books. I own them all. I own all the PDFs of them. Um, and that for some reason shaped my childhood. So I'm a big fan as well as spending my time in Israel, um, and seeing, you know, all the pottery and that sort of thing as well. So, so I leaned into the idea of Rome in particular, and um, I spent a little time on Herod, who he was, which, by the way, one of the fascinating things is when he died um, in excruciating pain, as we know, he, um, he was worried that no one would mourn him. So he brought a group of distinguished gentlemen down to Jericho and ordered that when he dies, they kill them so that people will at least be mourning. Um, the good news is he died. Um, that's not the good news. Maybe. Um, <laughs> the good news is that he died and they did not do that. They let those guys go. So, so that was pretty good, but talked about his building, you know, Masada, the Herodian, um, second temple, certainly, um, leaned into that. But the point that I made, I think was that it's fascinating to me that, you know, the particularity of the incarnation is that Jesus showed up when there was Roman occupation. But what Jesus did not do is Jesus did not get involved in a culture war, right? And the Roman culture was relatively um, relatively bereft of a lot of the morality that we would that we would live into, right? Um, in fact, at the twelve o'clock service, I was getting tired and hungry. I may have said, you know, and their culture, like orgies, big fan. That's not what I. Like I said that and the the congregation had a weird response. And then I recognized what I said. And I was like, no, that's not, not me. They're big fans of, you know what I'm saying. And then I just started over to kind of clarify because it was, it was a moment. And my 17 year old son was there and he was like, uh, that was interesting. I'm like, stop it. At least he was listening. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but what, what I found fascinating is that Jesus did not push back on the Roman culture. What Jesus did was say, I'm going to change the context in which this culture is found. 
Mm. right? So the transformation of culture is not fighting against culture. Mm. Um, the transformation of culture is changing the context in which that culture is found. And as we know, 300 years later, the Roman world is Christian, mm. right? And I mean, we right. have, a, we have a, a dicey relationship with Constantine at best, um, we as Seventh-day Adventists. However, um, you have to admit that the culture over those hundreds of years did contain changed and the context of that culture changed significantly so so that was kind of my point was that mm. we don't you know we are jesus didn't come to change the culture jesus came to change the context in which that culture is found and that is what's transformational so we as christians need to not maybe be involved in the culture wars that we seem to be so involved in but we need to be involved in imbuing love grace compassion mercy and justice into the context of the culture so that, um, I, I mean, essentially I make the point that it's a waste of time for us to be arguing mm. points of culture because that's transitory anyway, mm. right? So yeah. that's kind of where I went. Very different mm. than where you went, Dave. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Where, well, you know what you... was interesting to me? Do you, do you experience this? <clears throat> Prior to teaching, I had a couple of different individuals, and one earlier in the week talked to me about you know, they they want to know a little bit what the weekend was going to be like and so on, because they were considering spending their one ask <laughs> on somebody that they love that weekend. Meaning mm. there's somebody that does not maybe they had a relationship with the oh. with church. They don't. And I think they would come. I th I'm thinking about asking them this this weekend. Do you have when when somebody says that to you at just the right moment? Do you find that weighing on you, and you you've got you almost build a little picture of a person, and you're seeing them the whole time? Sure. And I experienced that a little bit as I was prepping. I was bothered. I don't know why, but I I, I woke up Saturday morning just bothered <laughs> mm. that what I was about to do didn't have the right thing for the person who is going to try one more time being around these people who follow Christ. Mm. Um, yeah. And so I actually said at one point in, in, in my talk, you know, there's a ton of great, interesting history here. That might not be your thing. I'm going to, I'm going to buckle up. We're going to do a little bit of it. Um, and I think I was being self-conscious about some of that. Truth is I had a lot of people thank me almost expressly mm -hmm. for the historical background of Herod and some of the stuff that we went through there too. Uh, but I was definitely moved. Um, I was thinking about that person who comes in that Christmas is not all that good for, mm -hmm. or that Christianity is not particularly good for. And that was weighing on me the whole time. And God does what he does, right? Um, mm -hmm. And it really helped me um, afterwards just to hear from some of those people because they all came to me then to talk to me. And one you know, talked to me about this individual who's kind of where they were kicked out of their former church because of identity, you know, issues. And they were trying it for one time here. Right. And, um, just their response to how they felt being there and so on. It's God, God makes up for those moments where we're feeling that kind of, oh, is this the right thing? But anyway, yeah. No, that's it's it's fascinating to me. I I try really hard not to envision a person or a particular instance, um, because because then you preach to that, and that's going to be important, right? And I, I you know I'm not I'm not faulting anybody. That's that's important. I kind of assume there's going to be people who haven't stepped in church in a long time every single week, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's got to be there's got to be something for that group. There's got to be something for the group that's that knows this story. Mm-hmm. Right? There's got to be something for somebody who doesn't know anything. And so there's got to yeah. be that sort of explanation. Then there's got to be an explanation for the people who know who think they know everything but haven't really looked at the story. And then yeah. us being so close to an educational facility, I also have to think there's somebody who has a PhD in this here. Right. <laughs> yep. So I need to be careful about overextending my knowledge, right? And being, right. And being careful. Like here's fascinating. So Last night I was on a uh, podcast by a good buddy of mine who um, comes from the Methodist background and um, he's doing, he's president of the whole, the world holiness council. He's, um, he's an amazing guy. His name is Kevin Manoia. He's doing this podcast called um, anchored and reaching. And in between some of the series that they do, they reach out to other faith leaders. And so he brought me in to talk about seventh day Adventism um, and whether or not we were a cult even though just to be clear his daughter's married to a seventh-day Adventist. she attends my church he comes he comes all the time certainly doesn't believe we're a cult um but you know there are people out there that do right that was so frightening for them to be asking me questions and i'm like you know i'm not i'm not a seventh-day Adventist church historian i'm not a i'm not an apologist for the seventh-day Adventist church i'm i'm a pastor i'm a practical theologian and here's what i think um, so I'm not going to tell anybody when that podcast comes out because <laughs> somebody will definitely take issue. Uh, that's not true. No, it's kind of true. It's in the theme. Of it. So, so anyway, I try not to preach to the one person because that'll get in my head. Yeah. Right. I try to preach. I try to, I try to be expansive if possible, not all things, all people, but as expansive as possible. But Patty, I'm interested in where you kind of landed. Yeah. Well, just to, just to follow up on that with Dave, I, I do a little bit of both of those like i i try to be expansive i try to think about all the possibilities of who might be in the room but every now and then i drill down on a couple of points that i'm thinking about a specific person um you know and and the challenge with that is like you're hoping they're listening during that time you know like like sometimes you always want to hey i'm talking to you right now so mm-hmm. listen up but you know you don't have any control over any of that so i i do a little bit of a uh, both those things but um i really i really enjoyed uh the journey this last weekend i mean i did some of that same um you know dropping some of the history uh you know of course i played on the quote unquote elephant in the room that i spent a lot of time thinking about the roman empire this week which as you all know is a trendy thing to say right now to to um to speak to um obscure things that you might be thinking about even though that's not where i think the trend started um (laughs) is you know how often do you think about the roman empire um but uh so i had fun with kind of going through some of that history all the way from the original prophecies about the messiah up through some of the revolts um and then rome taking power uh and and you know julius caesar the title of caesar the um octavian um adding to his titles of augustus and all of those kinds of things and the son of god um uh you know all of that and then talking about that being the world that that jesus the son of god the prince of peace came into um and so really kind of try to juxtapose those two powers and then ultimately relates the the power of Rome to just our human desire to rule and reign. Um, you know this this idea that we each 
you know, as much as we want to give Herod a bad time, we each have a little bit of Herod inside of all of us that that thinks, yeah, there might be another Messiah out there. There might be another king. I think Herod desperately wanted that to be him. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, like we're all, we all struggle to relinquish control, um, and to surrender our lives to another, um, leader, another, another power. Um, and then, and then a little bit of, you know, like looking at, you know, within this Roman empire world, which is, which is a world that's just continued over and over and over again. Um, you know, saying that, Obviously, the ways of taking power in the world are not working because it's often bloodshed and violence and and all of these kinds of things. And all that continues to happen for anyone that wants to rise to power, and yet Rome's continued to fall. And so in the midst of that, another way had to come forward that was not those things, that was not you know driven by worldly values. And so you have the kingdom of God built on different principles. Um, and, and then I did a little bit of how that fared in the Roman empire and, and, and talked about Peter and John before the Sanhedrin, um, and the speech of Gamaliel that said, Hey, you should leave these guys alone because these revolts have happened before and they've come to nothing. But if this one is going to succeed, um, you know, it would mean that it's, it's of God. Um, and I ended it with uh, a, a comparison that I came across at some point. I was I was reading something along the way, and <clears throat> it just struck me. It was one case study about well, how did Jesus's message fare? Jesus's way fare in light of this incredibly powerful empire. Um, and the comparison I made towards the end was the difference between you know uh, one of Herod's fortified cities, Herodium the the man-made mountain um the marvel that he built that became his tomb you know uh, i think i said something about how i loved the name herodium and that you know if i were to build a city i'd call it paticus cuz that sounds that sounds cool and creative <laughs> right um but <laughs> yeah um and then and then i said like like there according to you know sites 2 to 300,000 people a year go to Herodium to see the the marvel, um, the archaeological marvel that Herod built. Whereas just a few miles away, um, there's another tomb that millions of people go to to visit each and every year. And that one was the son of a carpenter whose name was Jesus. And, you know, just just juxtaposing those two different kinds of kingdoms. Um, so that's that's kind of where I... I took the journey, um, and and that you know, I, I there's a one of my favorite Martin Luther King Jr. quotes that that talks about it's not the you know darkness can't drive out darkness though it's tied to that one um, where it basically says that you know we have to cut off the chains of hate we have to have morality and sense enough to cut off the chains of hate and the only way to do that is with love, um, and that was the kingdom that Jesus you know operated under so that that was kind of where i took it <laughs> nice. yeah you so know who's 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 best <laughs> i think Sorry, probably rock, rock paper have scissors to have all three to be able to you know yeah you, it's like surround sound all of them yeah right. it's like surround sound preaching you know you right. should really take in all of it a couple of things that i found interesting in studying about herod <clears throat> not not all of which I actually even shared, but I just found them really fascinating. I found one scholar that was pointing out that <clears throat> to the Jew, there were Jews 
plenty of Jews that believed God could not keep his promises to them as long as there was somebody on the throne who wasn't from the line of David, hmm. that his promises hinged on that. Mm-hmm. So they could not be the God of uh, the, the people of God's promises with Herod on the, on the throne. The other thing hmm. fascinating hmm. is how continually Herod tried to become the person they would accept, mm-hmm. right? Right. You know, all the stuff he was building for their approval and all this, but of course he had to tax them through the roof to be able to do it. So it's just all this stuff he puts, you know, he marries a, a, a woman of the line of David, right? And puts her brother who's of the line of David into the, into the, the high priest role and then is so jealous he's going to get him drowned in a pool in Jericho. And, you know, it's all, it's this yep. little back and forth of his attempts and it's kind of, kind of makes you a little empathetic. And then of course he, he, he just responds to any moment you would be tempted to have empathy for him. Kind of like in a great movie with a villain, just the moment you'd have some kind of empathy that it twists and he is just hideous. Right. <laughs> um, just fascinating, fascinating stuff with regard to who Herod really was that it gave me a really good excuse to dig in deeper than I have before. Well, and he, and, and yeah, Dave, I, I found that same kind of stuff, um, but he also wanted to play the Roman side just as much, right? Like he, True. he just desperately wanted to be received by both of those people to be seen as the Messiah by the Jews and, and to be so loved by Rome that they gave him all the power he wanted. Right. The the um documentary I was paying attention to really played on his his political genius. Mm-hmm. Um the the pivotal moment as Mark Anthony is defeated by Octavian. So the horse he's been riding is now I mean, everything that was good about it is now bad. And he shows up without any of his kingly stuff and basically pledges I the yes, you're right. He doesn't try to pretend, right, that he wasn't behind the one. He says, you're, you're absolutely right. Deeply loyal. If I had been at the battle where you fought Mark Anthony, I'd have been fighting on his side. Yes. But I am now prepared to give you the extreme forms of loyalty I gave him if you want it. And for one reason or another, and probably because of the 700 talents of silver that he brought with him <laughs> and the deep indebtedness that apparently Octavian was in the middle of. He says yes and keeps him in there. It's amazing. To, his ability to um, rebound from uh, political difficulty, pretty historically fascinating. You know what I've, I've always found fascinating is that, you know, he built Masada but never went there. Right. There's hmm. no record that he ever went to his, what is his summer castle, spring castle, his spring resort. Like, And it's a beautiful spot, certainly, but he never... He never went there. Did you guys see the, hmm. um, did you see the miniseries Masada back in, I think it was back in the 80s or 90s? Oh man, hmm. it was, so we started going to Masada early 80s and then they did this miniseries about Masada and um, I think Peter O'Toole played the Roman, hmm. Roman um, hmm. Decurian or, or it was fascinating. It's such a good story. I highly recommend everybody see that if they've never seen it. It's uh, I think CBS did it or ABC or something, maybe NBC, um, when there were only three channels back in the day. Um, but what it was, you say the name of it was again, it was Masada, just Masada. I, I think yeah. so. The mini, the miniseries again, I think it was Peter O'Toole and some other big names. Um, and, and, and it was like just, just to be clear, you named all of the 
potential uh, broadcast uh, possibilities. You said it was either either it was either NBC, CBS, uh, yep. ABC. That's all we had I mean, at the time. <laughs> we didn't have anything else. There was there wasn't. Yeah, you did, that was the choices. Um, yeah. But no, it was it was actually really awesome, and we saw all their like their their siege props that they had all the big machines that they had made for their siege that they put on because there was like 960 Sakari rebel rebels that lived there for a significant amount of time after the first Jewish Roman war, um, before the destruction of the temple of Jerusalem. And so it was, uh, really, it was a fascinating thing to see when you were like up on Masada and you saw these siege mechanisms, um, that were there. And anyway, um, that all that history is just fascinating to me, but I will say this, um, the story to me that really hit, I, I did a lot of these kind of juxtapositions, you know, they were, Israel was expecting a palace, not a pen, right? They were expecting Jesus to come in a palace, not a pen. They were looking for a revolution, not a resurrection. They were looking for a revolution, not a revelation, which I know is a line from, um, Hamilton, but like, we'll live with it. Um, they, all, they were looking for a king, but they weren't looking for a kingdom that was being established, right? They wanted an empire. The biggest one for me was that, um, and I think this is the the biggest misdirect and why so many people missed who Jesus was. They were looking for a new David. They were not looking for a new Adam. Mm. They wanted a new king to sort everything out. They didn't want a new humanity mm. to change the context. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I, I played around with that. Well, so here's where we were. We were in tune, Tim, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I ended with the um, it Isaiah nine six. Yep, uh, I did. Prince too. of Peace, right? Yep, and that's where I ended. Discuss the point that if I mean somehow we sing all these because we were singing a bunch of Christmas carols and half of them had Prince of Peace or you know something about peace that was coming in. I'm saying, look around you, man. You, it's a gymnastic to think of Christmas somehow as ushering in peace, right? <laughs> it's, it's the same gymnastic Jesus invites us into, that, that we are not seeing ourselves as either um, simply freed from or under the Romans, right? There is something bigger going on here, and it requires, as you would say, uh, it requires looking for the new Adam rather than the new David. It requires pulling back and seeing the whole pencil, right? Instead of right. just that fuzzy tip. It, it, it is a, Christmas is a, is a perspective issue. One of, one of the quotes that I shared, I don't know if you, either of you heard of D. Hawk, uh, one of the founders of American Express and really ushered in the digital banking age, um, mm -hmm. wrote a book called, and if you can ever find it, it's out of print now, The Birth of the Chaotic Age. And it mm -hmm. is a really interesting book. In it, there's a quote, a simple quote that says, perspective is the Achilles heel of the mind. And I have often thought about that. And of course, what, you know, the, the notion we sometimes use Achilles heel as if that's, we're saying that's your weak point, which actually the expression that's your Achilles heel is that's your vulnerable place, right? It doesn't mean it's weak. It's just that it's so easy to cripple you there um, if something happens. And our perspective is a place that is so easily uh, capable of crippling us, right, in, in the way we think and the way that we look at, at things. And so how many people do you know that have walked away from Jesus because of somebody who's gone through suffering? 
while Jesus says, follow me, take up a cross, and we've somehow prettied that up and think that we're talking about putting a chain around our neck or a bumper sticker on our car, instead of what Paul says in Philippians 1, you know, for us it's been given, it's been granted that we not just take on the name and know Jesus Christ, but to suffer for his sake. Well, this is a perspective issue, right? That, That requires a long view of what Christmas can be. There's only one way, really, to, to palatably sing about peace and joy and goodwill toward men and all this, and that is that we're in the midst of a grander rescue than would have been encapsulated by freeing Jerusalem from Rome. Right. No, it's a bigger story, right? Yep. Right. We think we think too small. I'll, I'll, however... The Roman world at the time was 500 million kilometers. Wow. Right. They argued. 70 to 90 million people were under Roman rule at the time. 33% of the world's population at the time. It's pretty fascinating, right? It's a, it was a big, big thing. And it's, you know, when you think about the incarnation, especially when I think about, you know, Jesus had been planning on coming for a long time. He chose the moment to come. And it's fascinating that he chose the moment to come, not when there was digital communication, but when all roads lead to Rome, right? When there was a cohesion within that particular area of the, um, of the world at that point, he chose to come, um, which who knows if it was the most, it certainly wasn't the easiest time for, for, um, travel and that sort of thing but he he still came because he knew that there was a way that the message would be received perhaps not received or travel in the subsequent years so i don't know it's pretty fascinating certainly you know the other thing that that i brought up was you know how the religious elite the 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 wealthy and and that how they found a different way to cope with the roman occupation um you know i mean yeah there had been revolts in, in the previous years and and you know they still longed for a messiah but but the compromise that you know the the religious elite made uh mm-hmm. with rome to kind of make their lives a little easier and when you know you're seeking that comfort um how much you know that that's another thing that adds to how difficult it is to see um the 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 thing you've been waiting for all this time because right. it's going to mess with that comfort that you've now you know compromised and worked hard to get um and I think right. that's a that's a blurry line for us, <laughs> you know how much we we kind of give in just to make life a little bit easier. <laughs> no, that's true, and that had really become kind of a culture of compromise that they had created really since the Maccabean revolt, mm, right? Right. They, I think they kind of realized, hey, it's easy to just play along yeah. if we can, and we'll yeah. benefit from it certainly as well. So. Yeah, and I think I think that they probably you know looked at that and and said, well, sure. I mean, when the Messiah comes, you know, like we'll be all we'll be all on board with that. But right. it's got to be the kind of Messiah that we want, <laughs> not the Messiah we need. Um, you know, so well, and, so yeah. And to understand that that there's a pretty significant price to pay for following a Messiah, right? Mm-hmm. Because the Messiah is going to take you out of the situation that you're in. That means you're going to lose all the benefits of that situation. And yeah. even oppression has benefits at times. Mm. Right? Not not great benefits necessarily, but we get used to it and then we begin to to live within that 
that system that's created. And so yeah. you have a lot to lose by following somebody. Sure. And and we've seen that over the years in history too, that slaves that given the chance to be free, they're like, well, I, at least I have food on my table and I have shelter over my head. Why do I, why do I want to go into the unknown? Um, you know, uh, and, and that can be something we wrestle with. Yeah. Fa- interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I said fascinating too many times. So now it's just interesting. <laughs> Switch it up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, listen, guys, this has been a, a robust conversation around uh, this particular this particular week two of our adventure series. I really appreciate your thoughts and your comments. Um, I believe our next one will be coming out. We're going to do it before we preach um, so that we can take the following week off as well. So I'm going to see you guys tomorrow, um, but they will be listening to this a week later. So I probably shouldn't have said that out loud so they can, we can keep the magic behind this podcast. Them never but knowing can, what's really happening. Yeah. You can look forward. It's, it's the angel adventure is what we're looking at, uh, next. And so that's going to be a fun one, I think. I Agreed. think so too. I can't wait to see what you wrote. I mean, I've read it all, but I haven't maybe. <laughs> It, like taking it all he's in put it way, through grammarly at least i put it through yeah, grammarly. put it through grammarly knows what you said fix sure. it all with chat gpt so <laughs> that's right <laughs> just to be clear we don't do that here um yet it's got to get better and but who knows um it seems to be getting better every day so that's a whole nother conversation listen you guys thank you so much for being here and those of you who are listening thank you for listening to the sacred echo podcast share it um follow it make sure you do that uh share it with your friends if you can your family people who might find some efficacy within the conversations that we're having and um as we continue to grow the uh, work of god through crosswalk church um and all of our campuses and all this ecosphere thank you for everything that you you do everybody have a great day and love well Thank you so much for joining us on the Sacred Echo podcast. This has been brought to you by Lovewell Creative in partnership with Crosswalk Church. If you would like to give for more digital content, please go to www.crosswalkvillage.com give and click on the online option under fund. Thank you so much for giving. Thank you so much for supporting. And thank you so much for being part of what God is doing through Crosswalk Church and Lovewell Creative.